Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hi, I'm Jodie Collins, the host of Founders in Asia. Uh, what is Founders in Asia? Well, we are a podcast that looks at exploring the interesting stories of entrepreneurs who've started and built businesses across Asia. What we're really keen to hear about is the entrepreneur's journey. And so that's what we look to uncover in this podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest from Shanghai and China, Vincent Jen, who is a man who's actually worked in family businesses for some time, as well as being the co-founder of Fashion X in China and a director of his family business, Chen Kong. Welcome, Vincent. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great. Very excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so what we normally do is we want to hear a bit about what it is that you do now, and then we will explore sort of how you got to where you are. So maybe if you can tell us, first of all, what FashionX is and what this business is that you've started. Okay, FashionX is it's very simple. We help uh, startups, uh, fashion startups, actually, uh, uh, to help them to grow, to scale. So we work with the uh, the founders of these startups to uh, give them methodology, give them uh, uh, insights, and uh, use our me and my co-founders over thirty plus uh, years of experience in this uh, fashion industry to help them to grow, mm-hmm. avoid uh, as many mistakes as as we can, so that they can have a solid business plan. They have a uh, um, and then to grow and scale. So that's uh, what we do. It's a coaching training program. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And when did you start it? We started about, let's see, today is July. So I'll say just a bit over a year ago. Right. Yeah, that's when we launched, yes. Yeah, and and so based in China? <laughs> yes, we're based in Shanghai. We're based in, uh, 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 we, we have another co-founder, uh, uh, the founder of Xno. So we we work together. We we are based there, based in the uh, Xno um, co-working space. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And and so let's we'll we'll come back and explore more about what your business does and your you know the the highs and the lows and the challenges you you found in your journey. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp show. I just want to take a step back now and just hear a little bit about where you're from. Uh, where you started out and how you got to this point of then starting your business, because I understand that you've had a long history working within uh, uh, in an entrepreneurial environment, if you like, with your family business. So it'd be great to hear about uh, about your backstory. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I may sound a little American. I I'm actually I was born in Hong Kong, and uh, when I was uh, in fif- fifteen, I went to uh, uh, Canada for high school for a couple of years. Then I went to this. U.S. in California uh, for high school, finish it up, and then went to college, Cal Poly Pomona afterwards. So I spent about 10 years in North America. And after that, after I graduated, I uh, had the option to help out the family business or I had the option to work in the States. But uh, I decided to come back and largely because uh, was a family decision family reasons because uh, my parents were getting old and then um, the business was uh, doing okay. We're, we're not like a huge, huge company. We're not small. We're like small, medium size type. So, and in, and that's in, in fashion as well? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, Chen yeah. Kong is, uh, we help uh, brands to uh, 
uh, get their products out. So we manufacture and supply for uh, big and small premium brands in Europe. And it's a family business started by my parents in uh, 1975. In in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, yes. And uh, uh, we help uh, European brands, big and small, premium segment mostly, to get the uh, to manufacture, supply for them, supply like uh, outerwear, uh, jackets, and wool coats, and pants, and etc. etc. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah. And so did you did now, you start working mm-hmm. in the business at at a young age, or uh, you know, I guess I, I'm always interested in you know, particularly the people <laughs> I know who've uh, who've grown up in families where you know that the family business is such a core part of of the family mm-hmm. unit. You know, what, what's it like working in that environment? How, how much are you expected to get involved? How much did you get involved? Oh, I, I grew up in that uh, uh, business. When I was little, I would just like hear like phone calls from my parents and then like talking to factory people about like, you know, things on each government, like what you need to do and blah, 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 all the, these things. Every now and then I would like go to the, the office with them, like while I was like doing homework and they are like yeah. running around <laughs> doing their thing. Yeah. And then... Uh, I did help a little bit, like counting, uh, hang tags and things like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. My brother helped out a little more because he was much older. So he, he yeah. So, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, so I always have this, uh, like thing in my uh, growing up. So within this industry and, uh, I kind of like, uh, I like, I like retail and uh, these things too. So I like to go to like shopping malls. Yeah, I yeah. like to go look around and see what's what's new, not just the fashion side, but also the electronics and, and, and things like that. So all these, I think, uh, helped helped me in in the uh, uh, to become who I am right now. Uh, I have been working in this industry for over twelve years. Uh, starting when I just got into the family business, I would like uh, do really uh, just really learning the the industry, learning what it takes to make a good jacket. You know, working with the right yeah. the people in there, the merchandisers, the like QCs. The, yeah, the tech <clears throat> the technical side of fashion. Yeah, technical yeah. size, and then like um, meetings with designers, and really just uh, learning all along and. And then, like on free time, I would like uh, pick up, pick up, like read about the industry news and things, things, things like that. Yeah, I, I, I like to read a lot of things. Not necessarily just for the fashion industry, but like also business in general. I've been like reading um, Wall Street Journal since I was nineteen, I think. Right. So right. yeah, so yeah. yeah, way before they have the. Uh, uh, the electronics version. So all these things, I think, helped me to 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 become who I am mm. right now. Mm-hmm. And then, so what? So you decided you you were in the states and mm-hmm. and had been studying there. And then, mm-hmm. when did you decide to come home? So you mentioned that it was sort of a family decision. So what sort of age was that? I was twenty five. Right. Yeah. And, and then, so what, you've you've come back and then you've started working in the family business? Mm-hmm, yeah. 
Yeah. And then sort of what was the period of time between working with the family business to what, between then uh, deciding to start your own venture? After all these years uh, helping big brands, small brands, startup brands to doing this and then realize uh, there's a lot of knowledge, uh, like I have gained a lot of knowledge, still learning. Uh, and also experiences, and my co-founder Emily, she she was she's been working in this industry for almost over twenty years as an educator. He started off as a as a teacher, actually, as a teacher oh, at a right. fashion right. school in Shanghai. Yeah, where he was teaching for six years, and then uh, started his own company, doing like sourcing, uh, doing helping uh, brands to design and because his background, her background was more on the design and like pattern, that yep. type type of thing. So one day, because uh, we're both EO members, so one day we just like, we know each other for like four or five years now. And then one day we just like chit-chatting. It's like, yeah, just like want to help these like uh, startups, you know, because right. using yeah. our experiences to help them to avoid all these potholes, to avoid mistakes, and just help them to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then, then, and then, so mm-hmm. so then you work with these startups. What's the what's the business model for you guys? We have a, a accelerator program called AM three hundred and sixty program. It's a paid program, so startups will uh, pay to join, and then we help them on the business uh, canvas, help them to uh, fine-tune their strategy, look for new revenue streams within. And also, um, uh, we don't, like, uh, help them to do all these things. We, we it's, it's a coaching method, so we we guide them. We help them to, uh, to come up with the solutions. And we also use our network and ex- experiences to help them to... Uh, find like uh, partners mm. Mm. Uh, suppliers investors and 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 all these things yeah yeah right and so mm-hmm. are they are they shanghai based startups or are they from uh, a range of different areas they are actually the one team that we're uh, uh, helping right now a startup is they are actually they're here in shanghai but they're going to launch their uh, project in australia ah right Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in, you know, because you're in the China market, it's, you know, incredibly mm-hmm. vibrant there, but I guess also a lot of changes, particularly in fashion over the years, as, you know, initially it was known more as a, as a production centre, but then mm-hmm. certainly over the years you know, that, that's changed, particularly with the mm-hmm. rising costs for manufacturing there mm-hmm. and some of it moving offshore, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in hearing about then, so what types of businesses are you working with, the startups? Are they interested in the China market or are they primarily interested in looking at uh, getting into overseas markets? The one that we're with, with two teams that are helping, one is actually a local for the local market. They, they're doing more like a stitch fix model, so they're a local market. The other one, Can they are. Can you just tell us a, a little uh, bit about Stitch Fix, actually, just so that people who don't know. Ah, okay. Yeah. Stitch Fix. I always tell people it's it's the subscription service, so you can subscribe to these uh, boxes. You get uh, uh, clothes picked out for you based on your uh, profile, what you like, and so on. It's it's a, I say, really a uh, uh, fairy tale, fairy tale, and really unheard of uh, kind of story because. 
one billion U.S. dollars, US dollars in sales, and they they were actually profitable before they went IPO. Like uh, they went IPO this year on Nasdaq. So it's really a amazing story. Yeah, I see these guys covered quite a bit in Fast Company, actually, as you know, a, a success story. Uh, so yeah, I was quite interested in hearing a bit more about what they do. And so, what you're you're then working with someone who's doing a similar model, are you? Yep, they're doing a similar model in in uh, China. Yeah, right, right. And how's that looking? How's it progressing? Uh, I think it's uh, it's a promising because uh, actually. We also have uh, VIP.com, one of the biggest uh, e-commerce uh, uh, company in China. This, uh, they're more into uh, fashion, lifestyle, uh, uh, e-commerce. They have actually launched a similar uh, 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 project or service recently right. that is similar to Stitch Fix. So I do see this as a very good, uh, has, has a good value proposition because um, there is, we... In, in big cities like uh, Shanghai, like in, uh, in in Guangzhou, the tier one cities, right? Mm. And even in, in certain tier two cities, people are, some of these uh, uh, middle class, the people who have uh, white collar work, they work at, at, at offices and so on, they have less and less time to go shop mm. Mm. because of like uh, overtime and other uh, obligations and so on. So they have less time. And then is uh, and then the shopping mall, malls here. A lot of them are quite similar to each other. So you always see this this brand, always see that brand. Mm. So this way of helping you to we we uh, send you a box every month with a clothes picked out for you. This type of model really helps you to save time. You don't have to, you know, think about okay, I need to go out and buy something and, and stress out, spend a few hours and and not getting what I want and so on. So it has this uh, good uh, value propositions. So I think it's really more how to fine-tune fine tune it to more localize this experience so that they can uh, expand further. Right, right. Because, yeah, on, on this, do you see uh, sort of quite similar tastes or very different tastes when it comes to fashion across different markets? Uh, yes, it, it is different. It, it's it's a big country to start off with, and and the different cities mm-hmm. uh, have different because of the different income level and so on. So it it really varies. So if you let's say are in Shanghai, if you're in downtown Shanghai, mm-hmm. then you will see people dress up very Western, and then you know these people from the offices, especially if they have uh, when they're coming down for lunch. You see that, and then uh, you also have uh, the Gen Z. They're very into uh, the street style, st- style. Right. And um, I'll say that the Chinese styles, the street styles, is it's a it's similar to what uh, other places, but we add a little extra flair to it. Some of these, uh, 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 they're more how how would I call it? They're a little more fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, actually. You know, even I noticed when I was living in China, I mm-hmm. I really appreciated the uh, the Chinese willingness to, to push the fashion envelope a bit. You know, that there was such, particularly mm-hmm. in Shanghai, there were people were just putting together really unique outfits. And it was really 
very clear to me because then when I'd go home to Australia and I would see, you know, I think the fashion choices in Australia are, you know, at a, I guess at a more entry-level price point, mm-hmm, it's, it's, mm-hmm. A limit, it's a limited range of choices that you have. So everyone ends up kind of dressing the same. You know, there are, <laughs> there are fantastic designers in Australia, but they're at a, mm-hmm. at a higher price point. But so actually what you see is, you know, everyone kind of ends up looking kind of the same. But then I'd come back to China and just be surprised at how original everyone was. It was like everyone was really, particularly in Shanghai I'm talking about, you know, you'd see everyone really pushing it. Yeah, yeah. really pushing it. Shanghai, Beijing as well. And uh, I, I often travel to Hangzhou. So I'm starting to see that picking up. Then not to a point like you see like when I when I uh, ride the metro in, in Hangzhou, I start during like rush hours. I can see that like there are p- people that are certain people that really dress all very cool, very nice. Some dresses very fun. Really, you can see uh, their in the, uh, their own character out of it, out out of it. So yeah, and yeah. and that really creates the uh, opportunity. It's uh, also you can see this opportunity. You can also see a threat, depend depending on how you see it, right? Because um, <clears throat> so it gives the opportunity for these uh, smaller smaller independent designers, mm. smaller brands that are focusing on a niche market. They're focusing on certain like maybe Gen Z that are uh, have a little bit of money and then they want to dress really fun, really cool, then they can focus on that. Or there's another type of uh, client uh, audience that they really like the uh, uh, Chinese type of uh, uh, culture, you know, that type of uh, linen, right. uh, cotton, very fluid, a bit loose, that type of outfit. So yeah. <clears throat> it's... Because of that, it creates a lot of uh, uh, niche markets out there. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, mm-hmm. actually. And, you know, because, like, I've done a lot of digital marketing and marketing strategy, mm-hmm. media planning for, for different brands in China. And absolutely, we always look at, you know, our Tier 1, 2, and mm-hmm. Tier 3 city approaches are all quite different. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, yeah, thinking about that from a fashion perspective, absolutely, then you would expect to see these different trends. And, and I think also, you know, just because, you know, particularly for, for uh, people who are running businesses outside of China, then to think about actually this is an incredibly huge market with very different tastes across the, uh, across the yes. whole country. Yeah. Different tastes, different sizes, uh, different pa- uh, colors they, they like, we like. And different also, uh, like the prints. You know, some some prints just don't work in China. It's just uh, our skin tone and these things. It just don't work. So, oh, right. Right. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. When you uh, when a brand enters into China, they they really need to select an assortment that really uh, reflect that is good for the target market. Yeah, you need to know who you are really speaking to. Yeah, you you are segmenting by a tier. Tears, that's it's absolutely the the minimum, but you really need to segment down to who is who who is really your audience because there are some some people that they won't just they won't buy your brand because that's not their style. Mm. Really. So mm. you have to find that uh, group of uh, uh, audience first, and then you see I need to have this type of uh, this collection in China because it's more tailored to them. Yeah, right, and. So what would be your guidance then for others thinking about that if they're looking at China, then what's the best way, you know, so you mentioned 
not just looking at the mm-hmm. tier one, two, three cities, but also delving deeper into your audience and understanding them. Well, how do you do that? <clears throat> yes, really do your research. Um, you, you, it sounds so cliche. Yes, really do your research. We'll do research, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's about the depth of the research you do. One of the good ways we, we people do and we often do in this industry is that we look into the uh, the uh, the analytics of the, the Taobao platform, the Tmall platform. Right. Because that's one major source of uh, styling where a lot of people, really a lot of people buy clothes from, from Tmall, from Taobao. I do. I buy brands, these Tmall, Taobao brands also. So it's really looking at the statistics, looking at the numbers, how... Uh, how your styles are comparing to to what they're selling on online right now. <clears throat> yeah, you can um, compare by prices, your styling, and uh, what you offer, really materials and all these things. And then and then look into that and see how your product, how your brand is uh, 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 sitting against that. And then you also have to come to uh, to China, really go around some non really uh not those really high scale malls but like the more local ones that mm. with more local brands representation to really sit there and watch the traffic flow watch how people dresses and and see where opportunities that's I, I love doing that i always uh, bring some of my uh uh, uh clients from my menu, from chanko my manufacturing side these designers for big brands and small brands to really Let's go do the walk, go walk yeah, around at right. the uh, the shopping mall. I show them things on Taobao and, and so on to see what they're like and, and give them the idea if, if they want to come to China or of that, I mean, their brand. Yeah, and I, I think mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. You know, there's, there's nothing that uh, replaces just visiting the market and taking a look around firsthand, is there? Yes, it's yeah. it becomes it's really uh, one of the uh, uh, signature thing that I do with with a uh, with a uh, like foreign guests that are in this business. Go take them to the mall, show them this and show them that, and then they get they love it. They they're really excited because I don't go them take them to the really the malls that with all these uh, big foreign brands. I, I, yeah, I it's take them the to the ones. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's the same as anywhere. You yeah. probably see more like okay, you can see some localization there, but. It's really for the uh, the local brands. You see how these uh, niche brands, how they segment out down, the product, how their prices is. Then you have an idea. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're in their shop, you can feel their uh, what the brand uh, value or culture is all about. About. Yeah. It's, it's right. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and I just want to go back to your point. You were talking about Tmall and Taobao. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so for for people who are, uh, you know, from other countries outside of China who don't really know those platforms very well, can you mm-hmm. just sort of explain a little bit about how they're used and, uh, you know, who's using them and, and also talk, you mentioned about then getting the data insights from that, how you go about doing that. Okay, so Taobao, Timo, they are part of the uh, Alibaba group that is the uh, uh, e-commerce, B2C e-commerce and C2C e-commerce uh, site. And it's Taobao, Timo, they together they account over 50% of all e-commerce sales in China. So they are the number one, especially they are the most important one for fashion and accessories. Right, yeah. So um, there's a cycle show Taobao is like shu.taobao.com. I think that's that's how you spell it. Mm. 
mm-hmm. that they actually can find analytics. You, it's it's free. You can just go on there. If you want to uh, do a little more deep deep dive, you can actually there are a couple of ways about it. You can start a start a shop and then you buy one of those uh, uh, analytics tools, mm. which is very cheap. Uh, and then or you can uh, use one of these uh, companies out there that provide you with uh, Taobao insights. Then you can really start digging, digging in, and and these these costs are not that high, really. It's it's not that high. And another thing is that if you uh, have friends that know speaks Chinese, then you can just like sit with them and then just like serve that uh, Taobao site with them together. Yeah. Great idea. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Just uh, yeah, just find a find a friend who you can sit mm-hmm. with and just start looking around. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Tmall and Taobao absolutely incredibly important. What about uh, WeChat? You know, we talk a lot about how WeChat is effectively kind of like the internet in a lot of ways now <laughs> for China. Definitely. What are you seeing that from a fashion perspective? WeChat is uh, it's uh, there's the WeChat commerce. We call it the way. Uh, it's it's the mini commerce because WeChat the. One of the first weather is Wei Wei Xing, so mm-hmm. Wei is like mini. So, it's it's becoming very very important, especially for the uh, smaller sellers. So uh, a lot of the people now, let's say um, small boutiques, uh, you see on the corn, on, on on the streets of uh, other cities in in China, they all are uh, omni-channel. They are all online and offline. They have this offline presence, which is this shop, mm-hmm. this small maybe. 30 square meter or whatever size shop and yet they also at the same time they sell online where uh via either taobao or uh, wechat or both the way they do wechat is um, not through mini program yet some of them actually just through their uh wechat moments mm-hmm. so every clients they they will add their wechat and then they will always always post new like a uh, 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 new in stock items so, so this, uh, in, this, on the on the WeChat moment, yeah. Right. So this would be like the WeChat moments. Is that like for for the individual or for the shop? It's for the individual. So yeah. the owner would, would sell. And some uh, mm. some of these uh, uh, branded uh, uh, shops, you know, the ones that have like hundreds of stores, their uh, sales store associates will do that too. You buy a few things right. today at their shop. They will add you on WeChat, and then they they post things too. I add them, so I, I like to see what they post and and so on. And there, um, mm. there are other people. What they do is uh, they start a WeChat group. Yep. So uh, it's at beginning maybe only their friends, but afterwards they will grow the community community with other people. So they will say, let's say there's a new uh, uh, a dress coming in. Okay, a new dress. So the um, the, the store owner should post maybe she was wearing it okay some pictures and then some description about the fabric description about uh, 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 the fit and so on and then people will start asking questions oh I I am like a, 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 a one six uh, 1.6 meters tall and and I'm about this weight would I look good in this and that there's interaction and then they sell via if it's good then they will buy it just using uh, WeChat the mobile payment. So it's kind of like uh, buying and selling on Facebook. But yeah, we right. just move it onto uh, 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 the WeChat. So and it's the, like and, a, mm-hmm. and the difference being that the WeChat payment integration is all right there. So 
uh, yeah, I find this really interesting, this whole, you know, it feels like China's just elevated social commerce to the next level. And I love this idea as, of, of well, as well that you were just talking about of the sales assistants, you know, they, they're mm-hmm. owning it too. So, you know, they're, they're actually involved. They're getting creative with how they're mm-hmm. producing content with giving out their ideas too. It's almost like it elevates their role. Yes, yes. We, yeah. we, we have seen articles about like, uh, which about like how Macy's and other uh, department stores, how they want to involve their sales associates into the selling process, especially in, in the virtual world, online wise. Mm. But in, in China, we, we just use these uh, free tools. Yeah. We don't have, yeah. we, we, we are not investing in any special SaaS program or any app. We just use the basic uh, app of WeChat that everybody, literally everyone uses. Yeah, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because it actually makes it a far more authentic way of communicating about it. You know, you've got a sales assistant who actually cares about what they're doing and they've found something that they like and then they're sharing about it. That's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them, they will wear like the outfit and then show and post it on, on the WeChat moment and so on. Mm. It's, it's great. And even some, uh, what is interesting that this is B2C, right? Yep. This is, well, this is C2C in some way, right? This is people to people, peer to peer. And some of these wholesalers, because uh, we have a lot, we have a lot of wholesale markets, uh, fashion accessories, wholesale markets in China. Right. Some of these wholesalers actually will post pictures on the WeChat moment. They're not selling directly to the consumers, but they're selling to these uh, boutique owners. So the boutique owners can see what this uh, wholesaler has in stock new. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's much more real time, isn't it? It is. It takes and the formality as well. Just uh, yeah. regular updates and feeling, and particularly in fashion where, you know, oftentimes if there's a trend and there's, there is an element of really needing to, like timeliness is important. Right. So I would imagine that's key. Mm-hmm. Timeliness is important. I mean, right now we're in uh, July, right? Mm. And uh, these uh, wholesale, a lot of these wholesalers are already cleaning out their, uh, they, they are cleaning out their uh, summer inventory and they, they really only have uh, for, uh, new fall, fall, autumn seasons uh, uh, items now in, in their, in their shop. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really, really interesting uh, to talk about this, the fashion industry in detail like this. And I just think China is so exciting from, you know, a lot of the work that we're seeing coming out of China in terms of uh, the messaging platforms, the integration of payments, the integration of uh, social and commerce together. It's all really exciting. I just want mm-hmm. to take a, take a step back towards uh, you and your journey and mm-hmm. just ask you some questions about... So, you know, so you're still working in the family business, but you're, yes. you're doing, but you're doing your own venture as well. How do mm-hmm. you balance the two? Uh, for my family business, I do actually more on a, of a R and D role. I I don't involve in the really day to day things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my staff, they uh, if there's some big uh, uh, issues, yes, we'll, I will jump in and and then we'll discuss the issues. But in general, I do more of an R and D role and a promoting role on uh, for that. I, uh, I I I like innovation things, so I always go out and look for new uh, materials, new sustainable eco materials, new way of uh, 
doing certain things, uh, new different techniques, and then uh, tried it out. So I spent a lot of time on that actually. Right. And, uh, and are, yeah. you, are you and doing that in China or are, are you looking globally and bringing it back to China? What's your approach there? I do both. I Globally, I look, but then I will see is it really, I look at the logistic. If it's a long journey, I'm, I'm not going to use it. I will know it about it, do some research, but I don't, I, I may not try it out because it's uh, from, a, from a production standpoint, logistic, it doesn't make sense to ship something from buy something from Europe, ship it to China, and then ship it back to Europe. It's it's not, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for my Fashion X, uh, I do uh, a lot of, uh, of the same thing as uh, business development research and also help in the uh, coaching also, but more on the uh, business development side, working with other uh, like-minded uh, organizations or something together to, to do workshops and and so on. Yeah. Right. And and what's the approach that you take for that? Sort of, I like to share. You know, sort of with the the people listening. How are you? How are you looking at doing business development? How do you find clients? How do you work with partners? I do a couple of things that I, I do quite a lot. It's uh, LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn quite quite a lot. Actually, mm-hmm. you can see my LinkedIn profile. I always update things. So uh, one way I use this uh, LinkedIn, people actually often find me on LinkedIn. Some of these uh, people that are that I collaborate with. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also and, really so just. Actually, uh, can I just mm-hmm. ask a question to clarify? So you know, in China, no problems accessing LinkedIn at all. No. 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 Yep. Just as I know, no. some, some of the other platforms like Facebook, for instance, are uh, difficult to get into. So I'm uh, yeah. just wondering if that was the case. Yeah. No, not for LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you can have a Chinese and an English uh, uh, profile. So yeah. I have both. Yeah. yeah. Great. And then, um, and then really just uh, go to events and meet people. Yeah. And and so what? That's when when you're looking for uh, for clients or or basically for those companies that are coming into your accelerator program. How mm-hmm. do you how do you identify them? And is there an application process that people need to go through? Or Yes, we have an application questionnaire. We interview them also to see if they fit, because uh, not all of them fit uh, this type of uh, program. Right. And uh, we, we find them actually sometimes by word of mouth, sometimes through events. And sometimes I, one of them, I just, I was at WeWork in, in, in Shanghai and was doing, I was uh, in a, doing a workshop. I was, uh, I was getting trained. And then we just ran into a, a, a client like there because uh, it's like they're doing this and then we start talking and then boom, it's like, yes, I need that. Yeah. Off we go. It's, it's interesting. So going to events, the industry events, like let's say if you are doing something, uh, let's say blockchain, okay? Yep. If you're going to do something in the blockchain thing, make sure you, you know where all the uh, blockchain events are within the places that you can reach to, okay? Whether it's local or like somewhere a bit far or international events make sure you know where they are and where you go and really research and uh i i do some uh wechat content uh these uh content those uh content also and 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 actually the content marketing is very important Mm. is that you want to post relevant and interesting uh uh informations uh content out there if it's a b2b sale you want to post something that is, uh, what is the hot topic in the industry now? 
and there is uh, you have to curate all these actually uh, what's the hot topic what is your insights that uh, mm. you just don't share one post you you add some of your insight or you share something that is a bit further out or something that uh, news that are uh, it's not uh, not all the people will actually see from the major uh, uh, media channels. Mm. I say I don't. I don't post about like what's what's going to be hot for fall for 2018. That's that's not the content I post. I post contents about the retail innovations, in, uh, uh, what our other brands are doing. I also post about some like uh, helping tools, mm. guides, and I also post uh, what new new materials, innovation, sustainable materials in the industry. What are the brands doing? So I post these things that people can learn something out of it. Yeah, and right. and that kind of thing actually catches people's attention. So, as uh, if you are a, a startup doing blockchain or doing doing uh, IoT, then you have to see what is the content that is interesting and yet relevant to your business. Mm, yeah. And yeah. so when you're producing content for LinkedIn versus WeChat, are they different forms of content that you're using across different channels? Or are you able to produce something that then you can distribute across multiple channels and potentially others as well? Uh, I actually have, they, they are different. The, mm. the LinkedIn one and the uh, uh, WeChat one, I, I don't think they ever, maybe one or two is uh, the same, but most often don't. Because some of these uh, uh, for WeChat because it's for the local Chinese audience, so it's in Chinese and it's right. it's really yep. and it's really content that is about we what we don't get to see in China. So it inspires them. I was like, oh, this is what other brands are doing. It's like, oh, interesting. And while on uh, on LinkedIn, sometimes I do is uh, I post some uh, pictures of what I see in China. I post pictures of the. Uh, um, Victoria's Secret, uh, the sponsor that uh, that uh, show mm. where they look for the new uh, model, the new angel, because it was interesting because they the the catwalk they had the very first catwalk it was on the Great Wall, so I was like, oh, that's oh, an interesting right. yeah. content. Yeah, people would like to look at that. Yeah, and then I post pictures of the uh, the screenshots of a luxury pavilion of uh, from T Mall because there was a lot of talks about luxury pavilion. And I didn't see any screenshots. It's like, what did this look like? So one day I opened it and said, like, hey, I saw a luxury pavilion. So I took a couple of screenshots and posted on LinkedIn. And people mm. was like, aha, so that's how it's looked like and what kind of friends are on there. Uh, sometimes I even post uh, pictures of what I see on uh, when I go shop around. One of them, I, I post a picture of uh, Nay Wai, a, uh, a very... Uh, hot uh, up and come a hot, very hot uh, laundry brand in China and then because they have a uh, 3D body scanning uh, system in the shop ah, right. so I show that yeah yeah so people are interested in seeing these contents that you don't you normally don't see yeah absolutely yeah yeah and do you mm -hmm. have anyone helping you with this do you have a, a team that's supporting you or are you mainly doing this yourself it's a one and a half man uh, team. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's I, I curate all single content, every single piece of them. Right. And right. the other half is uh, just help me to translate. That's it. 
Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so some of these pictures, they don't look that great. Not like these uh, high caliber Instagram is because I'm not the best person in terms of taking pictures. Sometimes I cannot take it too blatantly in the shop. Then the shop is just like, hey, can you not take a picture of right. our shop? Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, yeah. Yeah. But in, I mean, it's like, hey, I'm helping your brand to a favor. I'm not a, a big uh, influencer, but I think putting some pictures on that, it helps to promote your brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. in terms of the team then and what's next for FashionX, what are the plans? Are you looking at this as something that you really want to scale up big or is it mm-hmm. the type of business where actually it's going to work with a smaller team and you can still deliver against your goals? What What's that mm-hmm. look like for you? Our goal is to scale it up. Mm-hmm. It's definitely any any business you're doing, you, you your goal is to scale it up, no matter if it's it's possible or not. That's for all founders that should have that uh, kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we are not just we're doing this kind of uh, one-on-one coaching, but we're also uh, working actually uh, uh, already speaking with uh, some of the uh, key organizations in terms of this uh, in the fashion and innovation and this field in Shanghai to collaborate, to bring some uh, workshops, like uh, uh, workshops and also maybe uh, some special uh, collaboration program together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to really just uh, uh, tap into each other's strength and collaborate to, to it's, it's one plus one plus one equals to four, that type of approach. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and are you looking at markets outside of China as well? Well, yeah. If if there is um, if there's a team in I don't know Australia or in Singapore that needs help, mm. we we can help too. Because um, with our knowledge and experience and our reach, I think we can help uh, others entrepreneurs, fashion entrepreneurs in other places, also. Yeah. But yeah. we have to do that on a on Zoom or on Skype. Because, yeah, yeah. I would have yeah. thought there would mm-hmm. definitely be other businesses who are out there who really want to access the China market, who need that mm-hmm. expertise that you bring. So, yeah, I think uh, it could be an interesting opportunity. Well, Yeah, we can yeah. help them to connect with the, the right uh, people here and also help them to uh, uh, do a lot of uh, trial, cheap trial and errors because – there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Seriously, mm. there's never a one-size-fits-all solution. The, all these, uh, they have years of experience testing, trialing, so they all know how to, the process of testing, testing, and see the reaction, testing, see the response, testing, see the response. We can definitely help these brands to do that in a much uh, cheaper. I mean, this thing can get costly if you don't do it the right way. So we can we can definitely help you to do it in a in a in cheaper way and then and yeah. then help you to grow in China. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I think that's been great. Thanks very much for your time, Vincent. It's been really interesting yeah, thanks, speaking uh, with you and getting some insights into what's happening in fashion in China and uh, and the the you know, this idea of the different markets and really understanding your audience and just how varied it is across this huge country are uh, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for the uh, for having me today, this morning. Yeah. Thanks, Vincent. See you. Thanks. See you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. 
Find out more at ATP.show.